This week on the Rail Splitter, the Abraham Lincoln podcast, we are going to talk about what the world would be like if Abraham Lincoln were here in 2020. Lincoln Podcast. My name is Jeremy. With me today, tonight, whenever you're listening to this, are Rail Splitter Mary. Hey, everybody. Hope you all are doing well. And Rail Splitter Nick. What up, Rail Split Nash? Those of you listening to us, if you uh, are playing around with your uh, electoral college maps, um, seeing what the, it's going to take to get Biden to 270, baby. 270 is the magic number. So um, we, you know, of course, the election is on Tuesday. Uh, we're recording this on Thursday before Election Day. It's October 29th when we're recording this. So, of course, um, you know, the whole world is consumed with um, just 2020 and, and how it's kind of a just a, a year for the ages, I guess. Um, so we thought it would be appropriate to kind of talk a little bit um, about you know, not 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 if Lincoln were literally in 2020, but maybe applying what we've learned from Abraham Lincoln, what we've read of Abraham Lincoln, um, and maybe take some of that with us to see how we're looking at 2020. Um, really, everything. We may not get into the pandemic as much. If you want to uh, get some information on that, we did do a Lincoln and Science episode a while back that might be worth checking out. Um, we're really talking about Black Lives Matter, uh, the um, police uh, violence and, and unrest and protest of that. Um, the um, current president claiming to have done more for black people than anyone with the possible, possible exception of Abraham Lincoln. Um, we'll talk a little bit about that and what we feel uh, about that, that particular line of his. Um, and then, of course, we'll talk about the election. And, you know, we, we've talked about it several times, but, um, you know, both parties want to claim Lincoln. One says, claims he's a liberal, one says he's the first Republican president, which, of course, is, you know, kind of true. So, yeah, that's what we're going to talk about. Um, and we're just going to kind of jump right in. Is there any news stories about Lincoln? I mean, we're kind of the whole thing is kind of a news news show. So I don't know if we had any news stories that jumped out at either of you. Not not to me. There haven't. I honestly like I'm this is really bad to say I've been avoiding the news <laughs> other than seeing what COVID case counts are in Ontario and maybe to read a little bit about the election. I'm just I think I'm like everybody right now where I'm just so fatigued. So I just basically like immerse myself in the Civil War in Lincoln when I get home at night. I'm so glad I've got this podcast and my other podcast because that's it, it's a nice getaway, honestly, mm -hmm. with with everything going on. So, admittedly, I really don't know what's going on mm -hmm. other than the election and COVID case well, counts. And, yeah, and I think even if you have been paying to paying attention to any sort of news, I doubt any, even if it were a major development in the Lincoln world, would have cracked a headline anywhere mm -hmm. because of everything else that's going on. Um, uh, in the world with the pandemic and the election and, and everything else. So um, we're, we're going to jump right in and talk specifically about Black Lives Matter and thinking about Abraham Lincoln and what he may have said and done 
And maybe the simple question, to what degree would Abraham Lincoln have supported the Black Lives Matter movement? Um, I would contend that, or my little thesis here would be that Abraham Lincoln would 100% wholeheartedly to the point of, you know, wearing the shirts, participating in the protests, doing everything um, in support of Black Lives Matter. Um, if he were just a regular citizen, of course, if he were a politician, of course, he would probably use his own genius to support it at an appropriate level to get him to a point where he could, he could make significant change to help um, people realize that Black Lives Matter and to realize that um, policing and systemic racism in this country um, is, is a huge problem. Um, so we're, I, I want to like look at one quote and get your thoughts on it, uh, Mary and Nick, in, in relation to Black Lives Matter. And this quote that Lincoln gave, I think, really ties it up really well. I was not even aware of this, this particular line, and it is so important and so powerful. Um, I learned of it last week. Uh, so I'll admit that, that um, well, one, I've read an awful lot of Lincoln. I may have read this quote and it didn't jump out at me, but I feel that this particular line should, should really um, be, be highlighted more, I think, because he, he gives a call to future generations here. Um, so I just happened to see this in my social media feed. Um, a former student of both Nick and I has posted it on her Facebook, um, kind of one of the, the OGs from, from Nick's veteran program. Uh, her name's Jessica. So thank you, Jessica. I doubt you listen to the show, but <laughs> in case you do, thank you. Give you credit for finding this quote. Uh, so I'll read it to you. Of course, some of the phrasing is a little old, specifically the word colored, uh, but I'm just going to read it as Lincoln said it. Um, keeping in mind that he, he said this April 4th, 1865. So this is, you know, the last you know week, week and a half of his life. Um, he makes this very important quote. So, he said, in reference to you, colored people, let me say, God has made you free. Although you have been deprived of your God-given rights by your so-called masters, you are now as free as I am. And if those that claim to be your superiors do not know that you are free, take the sword and bayonet and teach them that you are. For God created all men free, giving to each the same rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So this is not a subtle call to arms, literally saying that, you know, if, you're, if your superiors do not know that you are free, take the sword and bayonet and teach them that you are free. That is a huge line, I think, that would be very easy to, to use to justify or to, to prove the claim that Lincoln, of course, would support Black Lives Matter. Um, and one other important line from this quote is when he said, you know, which I really, really like, let me say God has made you free. I think it's important to note when when folks want to go down that path of saying Abraham Lincoln freed the slaves, he didn't free anybody. He he gave them, you know, the the freedom is given to us as humans. It can only be taken away. Um, it can't be given because we're we're born with it. Those that's what an inalienable right is. Um, so the, their rights were taken away, um, and I think Lincoln looked at that by saying God has made you free, and you were deprived of that freedom by your so-called masters, and now you are free. Um, and if people don't know that, hit them with a sword. So what are your thoughts on that, Mary or Nick? Um, well, my thoughts are the first thing that, that jumped out at me was was the date, April 4th. A month prior to this, he is giving his second inaugural. Um, and the other thing I thought of was that line from the second inaugural. 
Yet if God wills that it continue until all the wealth piled by the bondsman's 250 years of unrequited toil shall be sunken until every drop of blood drawn with the lash shall be paid by another drawn with the sword, as was said 3000 years ago. That's what popped out to me as being very similar. Like he's, he's got a similar theme going on. And I, I did think like, yes, Lincoln absolutely would have supported black lives matter. Um, as you said, Jeremy, I do agree with you with a politician, he would have done it in his own way as he did it about abolition and, and, you know, emancipation. If he was, you know, not president at that time, then yeah, he would have been right there with them alongside them, I think, because he was a very forward thinking man. I like the part where, that you're basically, you're born with freedom and government has taken it away, which makes me think of the Republican Party, which argues for less government. But yet they always seem to support, for example, we have a lot of these laws that are being passed, voter suppression laws, I'll call them. And then for a party that supposedly wants less government to be pushing and fighting for these voter suppression laws um, is rather hypocritical. Um, and I think if the election, if these voter suppression laws are the reason election tips one way or the other, that's why you're going to see people in the streets Mm -hmm. is because they're going to take it back, take their rights back. Um, and that's what these protests are that are happening are people taking their rights back that they're supposed to have, um, that we are supposed to have when we are born. That's for my thoughts that popped in my head. Yes, um, I think that that's a very good point, Nick, and to, to kind of bring it to today, the, the yeah, the, this idea of freedom being, you know, what you know, all humans are born with it and it can only be taken away. Um, and I think that it's also important. You were mentioning mentioning voter suppression, which is demonstrably done along racial lines, um, undeniably. I don't know how you can possibly um, try to claim that it's not because there's just an overwhelming amount of evidence that it is. Um, but the 15th amendment, uh, passed along, you know, right with the 14th and 16th, uh, very, very important says the right of citizens, of the United States to vote shall not be denied or abridged by the United States or any state on account of race, color, or previous condition of servitude. That's a pretty simple amendment. It's mm-hmm. very, very succinct. Um, and it has never been follow it has never it, it still has not lived up to its to it what it to its intent no and, um, and voter suppression is happening literally right now yeah it, it, it's actually it, it's really scary to see because like our elections in canada always like they seem to go relatively smoothly compared to i mean there's hiccups along the way but just compared to what i'm seeing in this election like i i'm like are we living in 2020 or are we you know back in, in the 19th century again. The other thing I thought of too, just in reference to voting, is Lincoln's last public address when when he said that he wanted to give um, the vote to, you know, to, I guess it would be the free slaves, like the African-Americans and all that, that he felt that it was time for that to start happening. So that's another example of him being very forward-thinking. But, but to get back to the point about, you know, voter suppression, like that was right from the get-go was not okay especially in the south well and to that point on that last speech i believe and i think that many historians agree that abraham lincoln died for that specific thing the right to vote for formerly enslaved people because when he 
reportedly, or there, I mean, the, the historic record I think supports that when he said that he was going to extend the vote to the formerly enslaved people or that he intended to, uh, John Wilkes Booth turned around and said, you know, that means N-word citizenship. I'll run him through, mm -hmm. which means, you know, I'll kill him, basically run a sword through him. So, like, you know, I don't think it's too much of a stretch to say that when Booth decided that he was going to kill Lincoln was when Lincoln said, I want citizenship for the formerly enslaved people. Um, and so then I don't think it's a stretch to go, the to go to the next step and say that that's the most immediate thing that he died for. I think he do died for things much you know, bigger than that, if that's mm -hmm. possible. Um, but the fact that we're still struggling to live out that statement that, you know, that not just the amendment, but Lincoln's intent with, with granting the rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, you know, that's kind of sounds like a cliche, but part mm -hmm. of liberty is the right to vote. Um, and, and it's, you know, it cannot be denied or abridged and it is all the time. And what, what's, what's shocking and appalling to me is that it's been happening forever, but, um, it was much more nefarious and hidden before. I mean, they're now just, just openly flaunting that, that they, you know, they're, they're in court fighting to have votes not be counted. You know, they're claiming that certain areas that are always areas and cities that have predominantly, or at least majority black populations, that's where they're claiming there's voter fraud. It's, it's, it's so thinly veiled now um, that, that it's it's just it's just appalling. I mean, and there is another constitutional amendment that tried to take another step by getting rid of poll taxes. But um, you know, just looking at the history of of our democracy, or if you can call it that, um, is it, we're still struggling to live out Lincoln's Lincoln's beliefs. Well, before we got on here tonight, I was watching the news, and they were talking about Georgia, and literally 2018 that governor race. Literally, you could probably, like, it came down to, like, what, 20,000 votes, something like that, maybe mm -hmm. less than that. And there's pretty concrete evidence that there was voter suppression happening and primarily black communities. And you could probably point to that being the reason why Stacey Abrams lost that race um, and why she didn't. I think what I'm hoping or what I thought is what we're seeing in Georgia is huge record turnout uh, vote. Um, and then hopefully the counter to that is we get record numbers and we get, you know, the election results that, that, that we should have, particularly in Georgia. Um, so you're really starting to see the turnout of people. I think that's what we've seen all across with this voter suppression. The fact that it is so openly out there and they're flaunting it, I hope it backfires. That's my hope. And that we know like Tuesday night, because there's so many people that voted and it's such a landslide that America has stood up and said, no, you will not do this to us. Mm -hmm. And then we, we could flip Congress and then we could pass the John Lewis. Is it called the John Lewis bill that they're sitting on? Mm -hmm. So and, and that's one of them. Yeah. Yeah. And then we get some of that stuff passed because I cannot believe that we literally have stuff where we're talking about not granting people the right to vote. To me at this time of year, we should be looking at every Avenue to give people the right to vote. And it's just a complete opposite. And I think Abraham Lincoln would be appalled by that. He would just absolutely be appalled by that. Oh, he he abs he he absolutely would be. And the the one thing too that I thought of in, in references is I I watched Gangs in New York a few weeks ago, which is one of my favorite movies. And I um you know when Jeremy 
brought this up as a, as a topic, I thought of the, like, you know, the, there was the draft riots that happened. Um, and a friend and friend of mine and I were talking about that earlier tonight, just how like Lincoln dealt with protests in his, his own time. And he, he's dealing with the draft riots, which started off as just, you know, white men protesting the draft, but then it turned into very racial protests that are some of the largest protests ever in U.S. history. And now maybe some of these protests that have happened recently are, are going to top that, but it turned into like just a racial divide. And when I was watching that movie, I thought, wow, we're not, we're not very far from that. Like it, 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 it was so, it was like, this is like watching 2020, you know, in, in, in some ways. And just to know that like, you know, Lincoln is having to deal with, with racial protests in his own time too. And we're still dealing with them today. I think the one difference, though, at least one side of these protests, there is not a racial divide. There are racial unity, and mm-hmm. they are a diverse group of individuals. Yeah, that's true. At yeah. a lot of these Black Lives Matter uh, marches, mm-hmm. or I don't even know if you call them Black Lives Matter marches, but, you know, um, that that's what I've seen, and at least when I've been out there, in all different ages, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, from kids who just graduated high school to, you know, People older than I am in their 50s, 60s, coming by, supporting, um, doing all sorts of stuff. Um, There's definitely one side where you don't see that quite as much. Um, But I'm talking about the ones that are out on the streets looking for justice. That's been the one good thing and heartwarming thing, which I don't think you've always seen that in America. Mm -hmm. No, yeah, yeah, and I would agree, Nick. And, you you know, you've got a lot more experience than I do of of joining those folks, um, although I have a little bit. I mean, those folks, the, the protests, the, the Black Lives Matter uh, protests that we have here locally. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think the, 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 you know, and I've made this point a couple of times on the show that, that I look to, toward Lincoln because I don't think it's appropriate for me to, to try to emulate Malcolm X or Martin Luther King or, you know, just because that's not, I don't, you know, I don't have that oppression. I, you know, it's, I, you know, I, I feel that it's important to, to, to look up, I obviously look up to them, but I mean to, to look at as a role model, um, people who have used their their positions of privilege to to be anti-racist, to be feminist, to you know to lift people up. And Abraham Lincoln is the best example of that um, by far. I, I feel, and, and I don't think there's any question that he would support the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, it's you know there's there's of course a lot of uh, difficulty comparing eras, you know, police violence has been part of our country forever. Um, but, you know, policing is obviously much different now than it, than it was then, you know, um, and law enforcement was much different then, of course. Um, but I think that the, those two quotes specifically, and, and, and I, I tend not to like to pull out one single quote and be like, look at this, this, mm-hmm. this proves everything, you know, cause of course you could pull out something that he may have said in 1846 that says something completely different. And I'm not saying that that's not valid. It's just, I don't like to extrapolate too much from one quote, but because this one was so close to his death and after he had been inaugurated for a second term and it's so strongly worded and, and, you know, um, I think it's, it's kind of like a doubling down. I think Mary, you did a good job bringing out the other quote from the second inaugural. That one, the wording is a little, um, it's a little more, I don't want to say poetic, but more yeah. eloquent maybe and, yeah. and a little bit less kind of in your face. Yeah. Um, and I look at this next quote as doubling down on that, basically saying like, I did this just because it was eloquently said, 
what I what I meant was take the sword and bayonet and teach them that you are free. Um, and, and to me, that's that's a pretty powerful call to not a call to arms necessarily, but just to say like that's how significant and that's how much I believe that you are 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 free and and how much that has been taken from you. Mm-hmm. No, I I think it was an excellent quote that that you picked and just you know like you have there there's evidence to to back it up with other quotes with other things that he has said at this time that show it's like yeah he we can probably discern from that that he he would have 100% been behind like with the black lives matter movement for sure yeah so um just kind of transitioning into the next topic or it's kind of a very similar topic let's talk a little bit about the current president has many, many, many times said, I have done more, and he's changed it, by the way. He used to say than any president, and now the last seven or eight times I've heard it, he says any one. He's been saying, I have done more for African Americans or for the black community than anyone with the possible exception of Abraham Lincoln. What are your thoughts? Oh, I, I think Trump is um, like this to me, like what Trump said, it it kind of plays into historical memory or the beginnings of historical memory, which is where like, groups of people create and then identify with specific narratives about historical periods or events. So he's trying to shape history for himself to look favorable. And he's dropping in the name of Lincoln, which is a very like scene, you look at Lincoln's reputation. He's honest. You know, he's, there's there's so much positive about him, and Trump is the opposite of that. So I think he's cre- starting to create his own historical memory with this, which is kind of scary in a way. <laughs> you know, but I I just I I don't get the Lincoln thing at all. Like I, other than he's trying to create this historical memory, this that generations later will look at it and be like, oh look, he said this. You know. Yeah, I mean. I think Barry, you hit on a lot of great points and why he's using Lincoln's name. Mm-hmm. And it all, but I mean, dude, the dude literally took out a full page ad. I think it was the New York Times when the Central Park Five, uh, he basically helped sign their fate there. Um, I mean, he helped turn public opinion against them so much that it probably had, uh, I think it's safe to say, had an influence on the sentencing of those five young men. And completely ruined her life. He is part of that narrative. And the fact that he is part of that narrative right there, therefore means that's got to put you at the bottom freaking at least 50% of Americans and how little you've done for, or how much you could make an argument that in the last, I don't know, his lifespan that he has done more to hurt African Americans then I, here's what I think is a true statement. I guess this is opinion, but I believe it's truth. That Trump has done more to hurt the black community than the average American. Absolutely. And I feel confident in saying that. And the fact that he goes out there and says night after night, probably two or three times right now, that he's done more than Abraham, than just about anybody, than Abraham Lincoln. And then it's not that Abraham Lincoln did do more than me. He might have done more than me. That's even more bizarre. And then he had the nerve to say it as he sat in front of the Lincoln Memorial and say the same stuff. Yep. It is just so mind-boggling. Um, 
I, I just and P, I, uh, I don't even know. I don't even yeah. know what more to say. <laughs> to me, well, it's just historical memory being created. This is the be- yeah. we are witnessing the beginning of it, and it'll be interesting to see how future generations look back well, upon I'm, it. Hopefully, they know that it's wrong. You know, to me, this isn't historical memory. Like yeah. historical memory, I think happens by like not bad, complete you know wrong intentions here he knows what he's doing oh yeah he's it's just propaganda it's straight up propaganda propaganda. that he's trying to push i think a lot of times historical memory and the flaws of historical memory happens by accident right Mm -hmm. you get to consume in the current times or in just one source and stuff like that this isn't what's happening with trump he's just flat out lying i mean if he believes this and he's freaking senile and then he's got other issues in historical memory um so this is well, a flat out propaganda lie. Yeah, I agree. And and he's he's too I don't know, stupid. I don't know what the proper adjective is. Like I don't even think we need to you don't need to really go down the let's let's provide examples of his racism. The statement yeah. the statement alone is is rooted in a racist idea because what basically what his whole premise is that he alone, an individual, has done more for the black community. How? Because He's taken some of the wealth of the country held by white people and given a little bit of it to black people. I mean, Mm -hmm. this narrative, this idea that a president alone can do more for the black community by sharing this like gigantic amount of wealth and giving them a tiny little sliver of it. Like, so his statement of I've done more for you is, is, is doubling down or, or um, perpetuating this hierarchy where I have to, like, you are beneath me and, and I can do things for you. I can throw things down at you. And that's, that is somehow empowering. Instead of lifting you up, it's this idea that, that I, I, it's, it's kind of like this patriarchy. It's kind of like this, you know, dominant, submissive kind of relationship where, like, he's clearly stating there's, I, I feel he's clearly stating that there's a hierarchy that he is better than, uh, higher than, richer than, but, you know, whatever you want to say. And what he does for the people underneath him, he's looking at as benevolent when, when in fact he's, he's just perpetuating this idea. And then the whole idea of just like that, that there's some sort of contest or superlative that you have to apply to good deeds, you know, and, and I have done more like it's, it's just ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially when, when you're juxtaposing this argument of black unemployment next to innocent people being murdered like innocent people are being murdered yeah but we're giving them low-paying jobs so the percentage of unemployment is is actually quite is down so and it's still not equivalent to white unemployment either on top of that i don't know why they don't hit them up with that more talking about the inequality gap that exists i don't get why democrats don't go after them more um on that and then, sorry, I, I don't know if I cut you off, boys. So Not at all. No, I was rambling. Go ahead. But but then he has his other slogan, "Make America Great Again." Mm-hmm. And then, so then all of a sudden, you're telling the black community, "Hey, vote for me. I'm going to make America great again." All right. And most people seem to think that's the '50s, right? When he talks about the suburbs, he's definitely talking about the 1950s because he thinks every suburban woman still is a stay-at-home housewife. Um, so then all of a sudden, it, you know, you think about that quote and you think about where he stands on race issues. 1950s is segregation still happening. Jim Crow is still in existence in the South. Exactly. That is such a flawed statement itself. Yeah. And you know what's even crazier? 
I so we're talking about the war on terror right now in U.S. history, and we're going back the road to nine eleven. We're talking about you know the rise Al Qaeda and everything. Literally, the Muslim Brotherhood, who's kind of seen as the parent group of Al Qaeda, their whole objective was to go back to the good old days. Basically, let's make the Middle East great again. Nazi Germany, let's make you know Germany great again. I mean, it's a scary shit. Yeah, and I mean, I do agree with you completely, Nick, about it being a propaganda statement. I think the reason I thought the historical memory was looking to the future was this is how it starts with with things like this being said. And um, I kind of thought back to the Civil War with, you know, memoirs that were written and just the lost cause and all that about how they started saying this stuff about certain generals. Like, you know, you think about Stonewall Jackson or whatever you know, how they have mythical status now. I'm not saying that's what's going to happen to Trump. It it absolutely won't. But, you know, this is, it's statements like this, that that's how it starts. It starts as a kind of propaganda and then eventually gets put into the historical narrative and becomes the memory part of it. Yeah, I think a difference there that gives me quite a bit of hope is that, you know, like like Woodrow Wilson was a just a seething racist. Just, oh, absolutely. Just, just horrible. But it was, you know, well, one, obviously it was a different time, but like, it wasn't like he was, um, you know, the press was different then, right? So yep. like him him routinely using the N-word and him refusing mm-hmm. to allow black people into the White House, it wasn't exactly, you know, well-known, right? I mean, I don't think it was a huge secret, but just the, the way that the time was. I mean, you can name any number of presidents after that. Um, the difference is like the historical record is now pretty, pretty thorough. It is. Like you got thousands of tweets. <laughs> yeah. that that are never gonna, they're not going to go anywhere. No. There's you know, it's not as if like, you know, somebody some somebody's grandmother 100 years from now is going to be like, "Oh, we've got these tweets I found in my attic." And it's like, yeah. "Oh, all the Trump scholars are like, you know, yeah. like they're like now with Lincoln scholars or, or anybody else." So, you know, like and it is so obvious, you know, I mean my 7-year-old knows that this is mean and and bad and wrong, yeah. you know. Yeah, Trump's a bull. Like he just some of the stuff he says, it, it it's it's bullying tactics. I I don't know if um, you know, kind of reminds me of some of the cartoons that you saw of Lincoln in the eighteen sixty or even the eighteen sixty four election when when bully tactics were used, and then you don't really see that as much for a while. But this election is just it's like he's really stooping low with some of the stuff that he's like even saying to Biden about Biden's kids and all that too. Can we just take a second? Yeah. A time out here to say a Trump scholar. Can you imagine <laughs> no. being a Trump scholar? I could then, not. Like, you know, we got Christian at the Lincoln Library down. He's a Lincoln scholar. Is there going to be a a Christian a parent for the Trump? It, well, I, I, think I, I guess that would be like you have to look to Nazi Germany, right? Like there are people who study Adolf Hitler for yeah. their, like yeah. for a living they're they're hitler scholars it doesn't mean they're racist no that's really, you know. we can't i mean yeah. it can't happen again you know that needs to happen yeah so there's, there's gonna be someone does, that studies them <laughs> yeah nixon does have a presidential library so well there yeah. are so does millard Phil, doesn't millard fillmore but he shouldn't i mean come on if, if there was one president nick, that didn't need to be covered it's fillmore nick you you have to admit that fillmore was a better president than trump Oh, yeah. <laughs> Look that's at me putting Nick on the spot. <laughs> yes. I mean, come on. That's just a course. <laughs> I read you a quote, just somebody... say something positive about Millard Fillmore? No, I said something negative about Trump. <laughs> <laughs> <There> was... 
I saw a quote like, oh, God, who was it? It was something along the lines like, historians will take 10 minutes to argue who's the worst president and quickly decide it was Donald Trump. <laughs> so, like, all those oh, yeah. things. Oh, well, yeah, it used to be a debate, and you could, you know, you'd get a couple outliers in there, and somebody would bring up, like, Franklin Pierce or some rando that, you know, like, nobody, nobody thinks about, and, you know. Or pull out, you know, Buchanan. whatever, Harding, Harding with this, you know, corruption and whatever, whatever. You know, Buchanan, of course, is usually, the, well, because Buchanan's like the go-to. So so if you're a historian, you can't, you know, you can't go Buchanan because that's like, it's too obvious. That's like saying you like the Yankees or, you know, that's everybody says Buchanan. I'm going to, I'm going to go with, you know, I think Fillmore probably comes up a lot. Grant um, used to, I think, but he's got a mm-hmm. bit of, um like, kind of the re-looking at his presidency again, and it's not as bad as what they thought it was. Andrew Johnson. Oh, yeah. But those conversations are, are done now. I mean, yeah, (laughs) Yeah, it's Trump hands down. Yeah. Um, and, and the, the inter, you know, many of those, Andrew Johnson never won an election, never won a popular vote. Miller Fillmore never won a popular vote. Uh, the current president didn't win the popular vote. Um, yeah. And that's, uh, that's that to me, and I think the 1860 election is interesting to look at, too, because you have more than two candidates and there's no, you know, no clear winner in the Electoral College. But that could have been a disaster because Lincoln crushed the popular vote and he won handily in the Electoral College. But there were a couple states that he was close enough to Douglas. They may have swung the other way. It could have been a lot different. Mm-hmm. You know, when we look now at at whether or not we're a democracy and what the Electoral College means and the fact that, you know, we haven't had a president from the Republican Party, well, of the presidents of the Republican Party, they've won the popular vote twice since 1988. It's crazy. Yet they, yet they control the Senate. They've controlled the House for a number of years in there. They had three presidential terms in there. Well, no, sorry, four, if you count the current one. No, oh, and Lincoln's name wasn't even on the ballot in the South, right? No. But, you know, you say we say that, too, and, like, Trump's name could be off the ballot in Illinois and California and New York. And, you know, Biden can be off the ballot in Louisiana and Alabama. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, you know, they, of course they want to build support. They want to build a coalition, but yeah, um, the popular vote, I think is key there though. I think that's where you don't see, you know, him being off the ballot. There's definitely an impact impact there. Um, but yeah, the, the looking just at the politics, you know, of course in the 19th century, it was considered uncouth to, campaign for yourself so you know you had surrogates which now that's quite different but you know the surrogate thing is is huge i think in especially in 2020 with the pandemic um and and that is one thing that joe biden has in spades i mean he's got surrogates all over the place you know and the current president you know has scott bayo you know uh, press secretary and his chief of staff little wayne now really yeah, Little Wayne just supported him actually today. Just really? tweeted about it. Yeah, was he on Celebrity Apprentice? I think he was on Celebrity Apprentice. Fifty Cent, too. See, but that's the thing. Like, if you support, like, it's newsworthy for these. Like, you know, I mean, they're no offense to those guys; are very talented people, but they're not exactly all like A-listers or you know, like if you if if the equivalent of that for Biden, would be like every actor in Hollywood, every. Mm-hmm. Every musician. <laughs> oh, and then there's like these half a dozen <laughs> go over here. Um, uh, so. I once went to a concert for 45 cents. I saw 50 cents and got Nickelback. Oh, man. Ew, don't mention Nickelback. Also, the great Canadian. The great Canadian. Oh, also, that might 
have been a worse joke than that one Jeremy did a few weeks ago. I can't I even remember know. what it was. It was so bad. It was such a dad joke. <laughs> I, it did come from my co-teacher. I won't take 100% credit. <laughs> that, I won't mention his name, though. So that's nobody likes to joke, so I won't throw him underneath the bus. Um. So other 2020 issues that, that, you know, Lincoln's perspective on, I think, I think, you know, voter suppression, I think is the big one. Black Lives Matter is a big one. You know, of course he would have handled the pandemic better. Um, I think how, how do we know how Lincoln would have handled the pandemic? Cause science has advanced so far. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if you look at his trust in Stanton and Chase, like he trusted Chase to run the treasury yep. and Chase did a very good job. And, you know, he I think he really put a lot of faith in him. Of course, he still let him. He, of course, he still held him accountable. They had their arguments. But in the end, he trusted Chase to run the Treasury. He trusted Stanton to run the War Department. He trusted Seward for the diplomacy side of things um, and, and, and then in other areas, too. Um, and he, you know, he did put some trust in his generals, you know, to a certain degree, um, sometimes to a fault. Um, so I don't think there's anything to suggest. Well, and not to mention that he was also such a brilliant person from a self-education standpoint, Absolutely. like he self ed he would have read up like, you know, the, the idea that, you know, as soon as he got elected, he started reading books on war, you know, he read everything he could get his hands on. Um, so like I, I would, I truly believe that if he were in this situation, he, he would have been researching and reading about. And with such a and everything else. Yeah. And with a leader like Fauci there, I mean, come on, he'd be picking his brain left and right. And then I think the biggest thing that we missed from a president in this COVID crisis um, outside of like, you know, national policy and stuff is just somebody who is compassionate, who cares, exactly. who can understand loss. And that's where Lincoln would have excelled at more than anything else, because he definitely would have done all those other things. But he just would have been able to talk to American people and, and made them feel like, you know, just, I don't want to say good, but would have made them feel just, you know, just the compassion there. Like they, they like he cared. Yeah. And, 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 and we all know we ain't getting that right now. We know Lincoln would have made it related to them because odds are he, if it had went as bad as it did, did today, um, he would have known somebody that had COVID or he would have been visiting. He would have probably, you look at the way he visited the soldiers, home, like, you know, the soldiers when they were wounded, he probably would have done that. You know, he would have risked getting it himself. You know what? He would have wore a fucking mask. Exactly. Lincoln would be wearing a fucking mask. Sorry yeah. to drop that. And he would have, and he would have, he would have had some folksy, funny way to say something about covering his face and yep. make it sound yeah. kind of funny. Probably and, like, look, you know, my head is always covered with my top hat. So look, my face is going to be covered with my mask. All you're going to see is my eyes. Yeah, mm. right. And, you know, something about how he's ugly or whatever. And, yep. you know, and it would have been endearing and funny and, and people would have related to it. And, and I, I do think that that human side of him and that's and that's just personality disposition affect right that's who he was as a person um and i see that so much more that element i don't see any of it in trump none i don't see any any lincoln-esque qualities at all um and i see many of them in biden but the biggest one is is who they are as parents and how that has led them to compassion how they both have lost 
had had considerable loss. Joe Biden is the only person. I mean, you you would never like never again are you going to have a president who's gone through the heartache that Abraham Lincoln has, and Joe Biden has. Mm-hmm. You know, he like he he you know he lost he lost you know um, a child younger than uh, Willie was right. So um, and a spouse. So and and I feel you know and I and I and I'm not trying to be overly um, you know rainbows or whatever just you know falling in love with the man although i do have a lot of respect for him but i do think that 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 makes a difference in who you are as a person when you've had pain and you can empathize with people absolutely um and you can be human about it and you can you know you can accept a son's flaws you can be proud of a son you can you know you can kiss your son you know like Mm -hmm. all these things that people are saying that he's soft for it's like that that makes him you know you need that in a leader and and that's what we're sorely lacking and that's I mean, I think that that's part of the mask thing, right? This this whole like, oh, it's my freedom. Like, you're 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 hurting other people. Like, exactly. The concept of others is the is the problem. It's exactly. not your freedom. Yeah, I just, I mean, the way I see the mask thing is like, I'm gonna do it, and you know what? I'm also gonna have fun. I ordered a whole bunch from Red Bubble. Like all this week, you know, I was telling you guys before we started the show, I've been wearing um, a mask that has a photograph of of Sherman's staff on it, and I've been. You know, the reason I bought it is because it's got Sherman on it, but it's also got Oliver Otis Howard on it. And I wanted a mask with Howard on it. Oh, and Jeremy's got his, like that's also. slightly creepy. <laughs> yeah, it's, I, haven't, I haven't really worn it yet. It's my Lincoln. It's got like Lincoln from what, the Lincoln's nose, face. Nose, so yeah, I haven't really worn it yet. So did you get that uh, from Redbubble? Uh, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So sure. Maybe I'll wear this tomorrow. That trips me out, man. Yeah. <laughs> Um, the other thing, too, about Lincoln, like, not only does he have, like, the compassion and the empathy, but he was somebody who loved science. He would have trusted whoever the doctor was. And yeah, just well, and he would have had a basic understanding going in. At exactly. This age, he would have understood, like, what yeah. infectious disease is. And he, you wouldn't have had to tell him, like, well, the reason we wash our hands or, the, you know, this is what an airborne pathogen is or, you know, I think he would have known Dude. it. Dude, him and Fouch would have be been BFF. Oh, they dude. would have been. They would have been best buds. Oh my God! You know Biden, you, you know Biden, Obama. How we get some of those memes of those two? Yep. Shit, man. Lincoln and Fouch memes would be off the chart. <laughs> they would. <laughs> Lincoln and would Fauci's probably also so small too, and then Lincoln's so tall, <laughs> so you'd have that dynamic going there. Lincoln probably would also do the thing like, you know, he would obviously be on Twitter, but I think he would post whatever mask he was wearing and then be like, okay, here's what I'm wearing today. Post your mask. What what mask are you wearing? Yeah. I think, you know, as I'm thinking about, you know, the Nick, you mentioned Obama and Biden, like that is one, you know, the, the vice presidency meant nothing for so long, you know, and, and it's in just over the last, you know, half a century or so, it really started to become a position of importance. Um, I wish it had been, you know, like there's no way in hell that he would have chosen Andrew Johnson. If he knew he was going to get assassinated, it would have been Seward, exactly. you know, like and Seward would have never accepted it. If he was offered the vice presidency, he would have looked at it as an insult Yeah, um, because it's like this, you know, ceremonial, meaningless position until the president dies. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, that is one big difference, I think, that, that from politics into politics now. Um, and, of course, to have someone like Kamala Harris is, is just so um, great and inspiring and wonderful. And, um, you know, I think that that's, you know, how she ends up being um, 
what what she ends oh what her role ends up being in the Biden presidency and 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 her being I think she's gonna I think Biden's gonna not run in twenty four and I think it, I think she will I agree um, to know, I think he's gonna do a great job I think he's gonna be a great president but I think he's I think he's gonna be a, a, a one term president by by choice mm-hmm. yeah um, the other thing I just thought of too is like the international relationship too uh-huh. you know Trudeau and Obama you think about how Lincoln would be with with Justin Trudeau. Like there would have been that same bromance there that sure. like Obama well, and Trudeau. Yeah. Had. Oh yeah. Well then like if you look at how Lincoln got you know, how Lincoln treated people he didn't get along with. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and and it's been going around a lot, but the story about how Stephen Douglas held Lincoln's hat during the first inaugural and you know, how there was like kind of how they got along. To me, I mean that's a cool story. I I like it. It's it's fun to kind of, you know, think about. But like that happens all the time, you know, like the, there's a really endearing letter that uh, George H.W. Bush left on the desk for, for Bill Clinton. Um, you know, that's, that's, mm-hmm. you know, and even Buchanan, you know, kind of making a joke saying, I hope you're as happy coming in here as I am leaving. Um, you know, I think that there's, you know, that, that peaceful transition of power, I think is um, another issue in 2020 that Abraham Lincoln, of course, would have embraced was ready to, he was ready to lose that election to George McClellan. Oh yeah. He was ready to lose in 1864. He was planning what would, what he would do if he lost in 1864, ready to, ready to give the, the, and of course it was like a, a emergency situation. He's like, okay, if I lose this election, we got to win the war before March. <laughs> you know, like we've got to do something, you know, we got to try to get abolition through before March, you know, and he's putting these plans or starting to put the plans into place, mm-hmm. feeling like he could lose. Um, and already just assuming there's going to be a peaceful transition of power and how easy could it have been for him to say, we're in a civil war, people like the nation is torn in half. We should not have an election. We like, we need to stay the course. Mm -hmm. Like let's postpone the election. And I think that there it's, it's a horrible thing to do or say, and he would have never done it, but I could see how someone could think that that's a pretty valid claim to say like in a, in time of civil war, are we really going to stop and have an election? But we did, and that's a beautiful thing about the United States, and, and he was ready to lose. And now we look at 2020 where, you know, Trump kind of floated the idea of postponing the election or, you know, yeah. um, I, and I don't think he would have had any problem if that had gained any traction doing that and, and maybe even never having another election. Um, but this, this whole idea that, that he's not planning to lose, he's planning to steal it more is, is so troubling and so antithetical to the things that Lincoln stood for. Well. I think it was in August of 1864 that Lincoln had a meeting with his cabinet and it was very dire. And it was, if I lose, this is my plan. And he was planning on helping McClellan figure out how the transition would go. And he said he was willing to just be there every step of the way to figure out the war and all that and kind of be an advisor because it was clear he still wanted, you know, I think Lincoln still wanted to be president and see through the end of the war, but but he also understood that it was up to the people of America to decide that. And he had a plan in place for if they decided that it wasn't going to be him, it was going to be McClellan, which that would have been scary, but <laughs> thankfully it wasn't. I don't think McClellan had a chance in hell of winning that election. Yeah, but I mean, if the war had turned and, I mean, you know, they had lost some major battles and it looked like the tide was turning toward the Confederacy actually winning, I think he had a chance um, perhaps to win. Um, but yeah, it's 
you know, Lincoln won it handily, but but he for a time there, it's, you know, in early 1863, um, and then you know, kind of in the in the winter there, I think that he definitely thought it was a possibility and was prepared for it. Yeah, until um, he. I think is a, yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. Until he had Atlanta. Right. Yep, and then it was, you know, likely going to win, and, and the war was effectively over when he was sworn in in March because you got to remember that wasn't in January; it was in March. Um, but I think that that's another really key comparison of, of Lincoln to, to 2020 is that peaceful transition of power and really every other president as well. Um, I, you know, I, I used to kind of take it for granted when everybody, you know, history teachers and, and commentators and whatever say like one of the wonderful things about the United States is that there's always this peaceful transition of power. And now it's like, yeah, that was that was really nice <laughs> that that happened, yeah. you know. Um, as much as it aggravated the hell out of me when Al Gore, you know, didn't fight harder and, and kind of conceded, you know, like, and like, you know, this thing that was a, in 2000 is a great example, though, like that that could have been a bigger thing than it was. Now, I know the Supreme Court made a ruling in Bush v. Gore and, and whatever, um, but but they could have dug their heels in and said, hey, listen, we, you know, we we won the elect- or we won the popular vote. Arguably, we could have we won Florida, whatever, whatever. But um but they didn't, and that's a wonderful thing. And um, I'm scared for what's going to happen uh, mm-hmm. on Tuesday. Really, I'm more scared what's going to happen on Wednesday. Um, so, and I to go back to Nick's point, I, I am hopeful too that it's just such a, a landslide that, um, and I think it's going to come down to Florida because Pennsylvania yeah. can't count their mail-in votes, can't start counting their mail-in votes until election day. Other states, Florida counts them as they as they come in. Yeah. So I think we'll I think we'll know who wins Florida, and we'll know who wins Wisconsin and probably Michigan. So if Pennsylvania is not the tipping point, I think we're going to be in much better shape. If it is, and we got to wait a few days or a week, um, that's when we may run into problems. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's going to be. I think. I think that that we'll know Florida and we'll know those states in the Midwest. Michigan, Wisconsin, um, and have a pretty decent idea on a couple others, you know, Arizona, you know, swing-ish states. And there's just so many paths to victory. Um, You know, Hillary Hillary Clinton was reliant on the blue wall that fell apart. Mm -hmm. Um, Biden's got a whole bunch of paths and and Trump doesn't. You know, his, his path is you have to win Pennsylvania and Florida and then carry you know, everything else too. carry everything else yeah, yeah. so that he won last time i guess he won all those last time he did he did but um but yeah so like north carolina would be great to win texas yeah. would be unbelievable i'd be dancing in the street if you know yeah. if texas went blue but as far as what's going to turn the election it's it's i believe michigan wisconsin florida right. and pennsylvania i'd be so happy hey. if michigan if if they did like i and you know, and in, in Ohio, I hope will Pennsylvania. Yeah, I'm a little less optimistic about Ohio. I know um, Ohio is just such a shit, yeah, man. If no. he wins Texas, we're talking landslide. Yeah, yeah. Place. I hope he wins Texas, and I mean, believe me, all all of us up here in Canada are like, we're like, what's going to happen? <laughs> we're, I think that the whole world's like that. Like, if yeah. you pay attention to international news, definitely. Yeah, I know yeah. my mother's ready for it to be over because that's all my father's doing right now, I think, and she's ready to uh, not have Man, I, have the election anymore. 
I just want to go a day where I don't have to think about like, or like, just COVID nineteen and the election. Yeah. I just want a day where I don't have to think about it. Because I mean, the reason I mean right. it's not my country doing the election, but it affects my country. It affects international relations. But I think Trudeau and Biden would have a very good, just like Obama and Trudeau did. Mm-hmm. I, I just, like I. I just remember other presidencies. There was like weeks that went by and I didn't even think about who was president because, you know, things yeah. were running smoothly. Same here. And it was, but like, I feel like there hasn't even been a freaking day like since Trump's been in office that we have that. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm not, I'm like, you know, looking at, I get so excited when 538 says updated, you know, 20 minutes ago. I'm like, ooh. And of course, it's exactly yeah. the same. <laughs> yeah. I keep looking at it like I can't stop, you know. How many times have you messed with that electoral college map? Uh, I, a few, but I, yeah. you know, I, I, I'm a huge fan also of the 270 to win.com that's through the Princeton yeah. election consortium, um, which they're looking at, um, oh, they, they, it's not working right now. Um, they're looking at, um, Biden's baseline. If, if the polls hold at being 335. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's, that's a comfortable win and they got him at 269 solid, which means he only needs to win one electoral vote. That's that's up which means based on their their solid numbers he would need to win one vote from wisconsin arizona north carolina florida in the main uh congressional district and that and then he'd be good so well if he's he's got he definitely would have anywhere in new england yeah um so and and those are all leaning and then there's the toss-ups in georgia and in iowa so um that's that's comforting um so I, I'm feeling good, but it's all in what happens after that. So, but I like that one because it does what they think is going to happen, and then they have two other maps. If Biden outperforms by three points, and if Trump out, outperforms polling by three points, and uh, Biden wins, even if even if even if Trump performed with a polling error as big as 2016, they still have him winning. So those of you who are supporters of the president, of course, we we want you in our audience as well, and everybody's welcome. So you can record what I just said and throw it back. You know, as Lindsey Graham says, you can roll the tape uh, if there's a disaster, and you can put me confidently saying that that we're going to win. Um, and you know, I'll be, it won't be the worst thing that happened to me that day. I, I assure you. I was, and, I was just going to say that I wish we could go back to our real splitter episode from the last election, but there was no real splitter. No. And the good news, if you are a Trump supporter, uh, the election will be over. Uh, in less than a week, which means these current issue episodes will probably won't be as often. <laughs> yes, 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 and we and we'll be. You know, I, I can speak for myself. I'll be critical of Biden. You know, I, I yeah. hold him to a high standard. Um, but but uh, it'll be nice to breathe for a little bit. Um, it will be. Trust me, we're feeling that way in Canada too. It'll be. But make sure you breathe with the mask because you don't want to breathe in COVID. Yeah, exactly. Yes, breathe your breathe your sigh of relief through a nice, safe face covering. Yeah. All right. Well, I enjoyed talking about 2020 with a Lincoln through a Lincoln lens. Um, so we hope you all did as well. Uh, we do have two weekly features. Uh, one is of the People by the People, where we bring in social media posts um, of or about Lincoln. Not of. I guess he's not really posting anything. Uh, at least not recently. Um, so do Nick or, or uh, Mary, do you have a of the people by the people for I us? I do. 
Um, so mine is from, I think uh, she is a listener of Real Splitter as well. I know she listens to our sibling podcast, which I'm part of, Civil War Breakfast Club. Her handle on Twitter is Spooky Alley. Um, she's at Quick S I L U E R S S. She has just, she's actually just, she hasn't been in the Civil War for too long, but her Twitter account, like the stuff she posts, she'd swear she's been studying it her whole life. She posts some really witty stuff. She puts a, her humor into it. But today she posted, um, work is boring and rainy today, so I drew the Philly snapping turtle boy himself, uh, Gigi Mead, and uh, she's got a this amazing kind of cartoony looking um, Mead. And then she also drew Grant, and she's got those posted. And I will be sure to retweet them from our Real Splitter account. Um, I'm going to do that as soon as I'm done talking about her. <laughs> and um, so I don't forget. But yeah, she's um, she's pretty awesome, positive follow. Um, you'll learn lots about the Civil War from her. Who is Excellent. that again? Um, her name is, so it's Spooky Alley, and she's oh. at Quick, S-I-L-U-E-R-S-S on Twitter. I call her Allie B because we got a couple Allies that follow um, the um, our sibling podcast. But yeah, she's a very talented artist too, which I did not know. So that was really cool to find out and very much brightened my day when I saw what she was drawing. Excellent. Uh, Nick, do you got one for us? Yeah, it's from our Facebook chat group. We have Megan Hardgrave um, is ready to help you with your mask needs. So she posted, take it a poll who would be interested in a Lincoln profile face mask. Package of one, President Lincoln 3D profile mask and classic navy on the left side screen printed and face. Uh, so basically on the left side, it'll be navy. Left side of the mask, it'll have a uh, Lincoln 3D profile. Fabric touching skin, 100% cotton, machine washable. Uh, the product has been authorized by the FDA, everybody. Only 50 will be available. Thirteen ninety five. Jump on our Facebook group page um, and then put your pre-order into her um, if you're interested in getting a Lincoln mask to up your mask game. So if you are not part of our Facebook group, head on over there. It's You can find it at the Rail Splitter, the Abraham Lincoln Podcast. We are up to 775 members. Wow. That is awesome. And Nick, I was going to use that exact same post. So um, I will just use one from 13 minutes ago. Um, Our friend at Mr. Underscore Lincoln, Lincoln belongs to the ages, tweeted, don't let them steal the election. Hashtag vote. So I like that. It was just a few moments ago. Um, So we also have a uh, feature every week called This Week in Lincoln. Um, I will bring one this time. Uh, This Week in Lincoln talks about where Lincoln or something Lincoln or Civil War related shows up outside of the, you know, normal history context. Um, So a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant Netflix special came out, I think maybe within the last week, um, called, uh, I think it's called I'm, I'm Doing Everything is Fine. It's called Everything is Fine with Sarah Cooper. You may have seen her on Twitter. She is the brilliance comedian who lip syncs to the president's uh, speeches. And it's hilarious. And somehow, like, somehow just lip syncing, like, gives this, like, really astute criticism in some way that I just think is amazing. Um, But in that special, 
halfway through or so, about a quarter of the way through, they it's, it's kind of like set up like it's a news show, and and she kind of just goes to different reporters or whatever. Well, they cut to um, a Ken Burns parody, uh, Ken Burns Civil War parody. Um, uh, that's a, a Ken Burns style documentary on the history of Karens, and they talk about how Karens go back to you know ancient times and. Um, uh, the Whoopi Goldberg is actually the narrator. And um, they, so they got the Ken Burns effect with the, you know, zooming in on black and white photos and they got violin music and it's talking about the historic contributions of Karens throughout history. <laughs> um, so I thought it was a pretty genius uh, parody of Ken Burns in, in a really cool way. So uh, check that out. Everything is fine. Uh, Sarah Cooper on Netflix. It's um, It's definitely worth checking out. All right. Any parting thoughts, Mary or Nick? Oh, that was a really awesome discussion. I thought I really like when we can discuss Lincoln um, in comparison to to what the current situation is and all that, and just kind of draw from you know what he went through and think about how it would have how he would have dealt with it. I think it gives us a perspective on what's happening today, and it also helps us learn more about him too as a person. Indeed, oh. agreed. Go out and vote. Get that yes, voted. vote. If you have not voted already, no matter who you're voting for, whether you're with the consensus of the rail splitters or not, please, please vote. Also, please vote in your local elections, and the down-ballot races are important as well. And we look forward to more political discussions as the results come in. Um, But I think now more than ever, it is extremely important to remember to continue to walk the world with malice toward none and charity for all. We'll see you all soon.